Welcome back, everybody, to the episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode number 263, dedicated to a woman who on November 3rd, 1975, became the first tennis player to be ranked number one in the debut WTA Tour rankings. Miss Chris Everett, and as always, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we will be joined by Mr. Philip Jordan. As Auburn recently fired Brian Harson, and people are wondering who could be the next head football coach at Auburn University. There's only one guy that comes to my mind that I want you to talk about this here on the podcast with. It is Philip Jordan. He is the host of the Philip Jordan Show and Talking SEC. But before we get to my conversation with Philip Jordan, there's something going on in sports right now that's been going on for years, and it kind of annoys me. Now, it's nothing that a player has done or is currently doing that we're talking about today. No, I'm not going to entertain the Kyrie Irving situation. But his head coach, well, former head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, recently got fired in Steve Nash. And then, of course, Auburn recently fired Brian Harson. Brian Harson got the job at Auburn in 2021. Steve Nash got the job in Brooklyn in 2020. And there's one thing certain teams do all the time or schools do, and they don't properly analyze and go through the proper chain of command and do all the interviews and make sure they have the right hire, the right guy for the job. Because I believe that Auburn and the Brooklyn Nets could have foregone a lot of the hiccups that they have had recently if they would have properly hired, had a different or proper, properly gone through and made sure during the hiring process, the guy they hired is the right guy. And I slow down and I say it in that way on purpose because Steve Nash was an interesting hire. Why? He had no previous head coaching experience. Brian Harson, an interesting guy, because not only did he not have any experience in the SEC, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but what do you need to do when you're in the SEC to be successful, especially when you're at Auburn, when you're not even the best school in your state? You need to be able to recruit. And we have... I have heard stories, there are stories out there about Brian Harson and his attitude and how he viewed the recruiting. And also with Steve Nash, it just never seemed like it was going to go right. Now, when you look at their records, 9-12 and 12 for Brian Harson over his tenure at Auburn. But Steve Nash was 94-67 and 67 during his tenure as head coach at Brooklyn. Way better than I thought he, he was going to be. 48 and 24 in his first year, and then 44 and 38 in his second year. This year got off to a bad start at two and five. They decide it's time to cut ties with Steve Nash. And I believe I do the same rule with players, the three to five year rule. There's one for players, there's one for coaches. And I do believe there are schools out there and teams out there that need to fine tune their hiring process and then adopt the three to five year rule. After year three, maybe in the middle of year four, beginning of year four, kind of see, uh, we know what he can be or what he's going to do. Should we stick with him and then go about that route? I believe every coach deserves three to five years to 
figure things out at the place they're at. And then during that time period, the GM, the president, the owner, if it's a professional team, the AD, and we all know how powerful boosters are in collegiate athletics, they formulate opinions about the coach during that three to five years. And then you go about and say, oh, yeah, he's the guy or, oh, he's not the guy. And you have concrete data to do so. Now, with college football or college basketball, I say three to five years on purpose because you're just then starting to get your recruits in. Not saying the guys that were there previously are bad recruits, but you got to get your guys in. Maybe your system is different than the previous uh, coach that was there. So some of the guys that are currently there don't fit your system so be it whatever it is, in the NBA or NFL, you got to figure things out. In the first three to five years, you can see in the guys like a Scott Frost that was formerly at Nebraska and a Frank Reich who's currently with the Indianapolis Colts, in the first three to five years, you can quickly see with both of those guys, it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out at all. Now, in Indianapolis, they fire their OC. The guy who calls the plays is still in, still there. That's Frank Reich, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, who I believe needs to get fired. The three to five year rule works for Frank Reich. He's in year five. In the first three, four years, we saw he's not the guy. He's not making adjustments. He himself is not getting better. So in the first three to five years, you see we need to cut ties and move on from him. Not sure why it hasn't been done yet. I do believe his last year in Indianapolis will be this year, probably getting fired around Christmas. A horrible Christmas gift, but if you don't get better, that's the way the cookie's going to crumble. Scott Frost, same thing. First three to five years, we saw Scott Frost ain't the guy in Nebraska. I won't be one of those talking heads that says Nebraska will never win another national championship. I'm not saying that. But what I will say is this. In the first three to five years, it was clear. Scott Frost is not going to have success as Nebraska's head coach with the mindset that he has and the way he was conducting the program. The rule is there. It's kind of a bulletproof rule. Just got to adopt it and use it. Steve Nash, Brian Harson, I believe they got a raw deal. Brian Harson kind of did it to himself. Auburn, I think, made a wise decision. Still weird, but made a wise decision to cut him early in his toward the end of his second year. Said, "Hey, buddy, this ain't your time." But then Steve Nash, as weird as it was, and I think a lot of people thought that it wasn't going to be him to take it to the promised land. Even last year, if it wasn't for uh, recently, if it wasn't for Kevin Durant's foot. The, the Nets go to the Eastern Conference Finals. His Literally, like, the shoe size was, was what and got a two-point basket being called instead of a three-point basket. It's just that simple. The three-to-five-year rule adopt it. But also, fine-tune how you hire coaches. And if you do that, you'll be happier in the first three-to-five years of the new tenure of the new head coach you hire because you realize – you did more work in the beginning, and the aftermath of you doing more work is more wins, more success, maybe an SEC title if you're Auburn, maybe if you're Brooklyn, Eastern Conference Championship, NBA Championship. Those are the goals, but you got to do the work on the front end so you have success on the back end. Let's go ahead and take a trip to the state of Alabama to enjoy my fun conversation with Mr. Philip Jordan. He is the host of the Philip Jordan Show and Talking SEC. Who would have thought that the college football rankings would have come up for the first time 
at the same time that Auburn fires Brian Harson. There's only one person I want to talk to when it comes to Auburn firing a coach or Auburn football. But then when the college football rankings come out at the same time, we get to double dip with my guy, Philip Jordan, the host of the Philip Jordan Show and the host of Talking SEC. Philip Jordan, you're kind of a regular around here. Welcome back to the JC Wins Podcast. Jay, I'm just I'm just waiting for when you just rename your podcast to Jay and Philip Show or something like that. I mean, I've been on here a lot. I feel like I've been on here more than my own podcast here lately. But I'm nah, just kidding though. It is always great to come on here. I got your message uh, when the news dropped that Harson was fired. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. I got plenty of uh, plenty to say on the topic. You know, the Jay and Phillip show or something along those lines would be fun. Would probably more be more of a college football centered show. We are very busy people, but if there was a guy that I wanted to talk college football with or a group of people, it's a, it's a small group, you are in that small pool of people I would love to do a show with. You're also in the small pool of people that I would love to talk about these initial rankings with. Ten through one. Number one, you might not be surprised with, but number ten might surprise you because LSU at seven, or excuse me, six and two comes in at number ten, the first initial college football playoff rankings that came out on Tuesday evening. Number nine is USC at seven and one. Number eight is Oregon at seven and one. Number seven, the TCU Horn Frogs, undefeated in the Big Twelve. They have four top twenty-five wins over Oklahoma. Kansas, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. They are 8-0 undefeated on the season. They're number seven in the initial rankings. Six through one. Number six is Alabama. Number five is the Wolverines of Michigan. That one shocked me. Number four is Clemson. Number three is Georgia. Two, Ohio State. One, Tennessee. Before I give my thoughts, Philip, what are yours? You know, this is going to sound out there, and I, I, I think Tennessee deserves it, but I'm kind of surprised they got number one. I'm surprised they actually did that. Uh, and then you got Georgia sitting at three, Ohio State at two. Um, I'll be honest with you. I know you're a high state guy. I'm kind of shocked that Ohio State's ahead of Georgia. I'll be honest with you. Just looking at resume and just let's face it, the conference they play in, you know, when we add what they have done. I'm surprised, Clint. And this is all my surprises, I guess, when I'm going to the theme with what I'm saying. I'm surprised Clemson's ahead of Michigan, to be honest with you. I mean, I know they've got some ranked wins. Uh, Wake Forest is in there. I believe Florida State was ranked when they beat them. Uh, Syracuse. But I don't know. Michigan's look better. It's just in their games. I mean, Clemson's had some 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 battles in the ACC, and ACC's aren't great, which I don't think after Ohio State and Michigan either is the Big Ten. Not shocked that uh, Alabama's where they're at. That's pretty much where they're at in all the rankings, at six. Uh, LSU at ten, so uh, so that means we have two uh, uh, matchups in the SEC this Saturday with top ten uh, ten teams. And I'll say this: speaking of Tennessee and Georgia, you've got to know Kirby Smart staffs now going to use this that they are not the number one team in the country in this game coming up Saturday. They're the number three team. Tennessee's number one. Kirby's going to use this as motivation for the Bulldogs, the defending champs. So hey, you're being you're being disrespected. And now Tennessee's got that bullseye on their back. That that makes Saturday's game even more interesting. So that's kind of when I just glance at because I'm just now seeing this for the first time, uh, these rankings. I had not looked at them, but right before you hit record. So that's kind of what I take away from them. I was on a live show for the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, Zach Blackerby, you know Zach, host of Locked On Auburn. Um, Stephen Willis of Locked On Ole Miss. Luke Robinson of Locked On Bama. 
and then Spencer McLaughlin, host of Locked On Pack 12 and Locked On Ducks. We were all on a live show. And when I saw on my TV, now I saw this prior to Zach was hosting, Zach announcing that Michigan was five. I think he saw Alabama was six, and Luke Robinson of Locked On Bama was discussing that and talking about that. But my reaction at Michigan at five was one of shock. And I am, yes, I'm an Ohio State guy. I have no problem saying that. If you're watching um, this video, there's a Ohio State flag, Locko flag behind me. I'm not going to shy away from my fandom. But I also try to be realistic. That one kind of opened my eyes to how the committee is doing Clemson and how they're really factoring in the resume more than the eye test, which I don't think should be the way they do it. I think the eye test should be a bigger factor than the resume or mix the two together. But Michigan at five is interesting. Michigan only has one top 25 win. That is against uh, Penn State. Penn State was number 10 at that time. The Wolverines, they were at home. They really just destroyed and obliterated the <clears throat> Penn State and the Lions. Now, my strength of schedule is not what ESPN's ranking is. I go to sportsreference.com for that. Michigan's strength of schedule is 82nd which is really, really bad. Now you may go to Clemson. Clemson has three top 25 wins over Wake Forest, not the Florida State game. I don't think Florida State was ranked at that time. Uh, the NC State and Syracuse were ranked. But Clemson's strength of schedule is 52nd, 30 spots better than the Michigan Wolverines. And I think that one little resume detail alone is why Clemson is four, Michigan is five. When it comes to 3-2-1, Georgia, Ohio State, and Tennessee, you're literally just splitting hairs, and I have no problem doing that when you get to this uh, exclusive group in the top 25. Number three, Georgia. Um, I I understand, national champion. I think Ohio State's defense has improved a lot, and Ohio State having literally one more top 25 win is what propelled them over Georgia in the initial rankings. Yes, resume stuff, not eye test. I like the eye test a lot. The committee will use the the uh, the uh, resume a lot. I, I said, said this on the on the live show. If Notre Dame and Ohio State did not play Week One and that game was not scheduled, Ohio State would only have one ranked win. And honestly, there was a there's a there's a chance, a legit chance, the committee puts Ohio State at three, Georgia at two. I think based off resume, Tennessee is one. Um, I think I test you can really flip flop Georgia, Ohio State, and Tennessee and be fair with your analysis of that. But the best thing about it, we get Alabama and Ole Miss coming up very, very soon, November 12th in Oxford. Ole Miss is, is 11. Alabama is six. If Ole Miss wants to try to sneak their way into the top four and create some chaos, beat Alabama on November the 12th. I am rooting for. Uh, Ole Miss in that day. I might start saying hotty toddy around my apartment as I'm watching football on my college football Saturday because I am rooting for Ole Miss, not just because I'm going to root for them no matter what, and they're my, like my secret favorite SEC team, but because I live for the moments Alabama loses and Nick Saban's on the losing end. I live for that. I know I said a lot right there, Philip, but the top three to me, let's go back to that conversation. The top three to me, I personally think I test or even resume – you can flip, flop them, and be comfortable with where you put them right now in your first initial rankings of the season. Yeah, I mean, and ten, you're right. Tennessee resume, I mean, you got to win Alabama, and you got a dominant win over a top 25 Kentucky team this past Saturday night. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought that had potential to be a 
a scary game for Tennessee if they were looking past Kentucky, looking ahead to Georgia, because we're looking at a Kentucky team that does have Will Levis at quarterback. Yeah. A guy that's going to be drafted in the first round. We know this. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have a good game. Not only 98 yards passing, three interceptions against the Volunteers. And they've got, you know, and I know Pitt's not great, but, you know, at the time they were looked at as a solid team. They beat them early in the year. I mean, Tennessee's got some some good – and look, they've got a 40-13 to 13 win over LSU. That they, they went to Baton Rouge. It was an 11 o'clock game. Baton Rouge ain't the same at 11 o'clock as it is at nighttime. You're right. Um, the, a certain beverage hasn't hit the system of the, uh, <laughs> the the LSU fans quite yet, like the way they normally do. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, the, the resume I had, I agree with you, Tennessee. No more. I'm just surprised. I was, I was not sure if they'd do it. I just figured, I was, are they going to do just what they do in the AP and the coaches poll? You see, Georgia, just put Georgia number one because of name recognition. But I, I think they made the right. They, ah, I think they made the right decision. If I can talk tonight, Jay, I think they made the right decision by putting Tennessee number one. I was just not sure if they would do it. I think showing that they would do it and that they did do it does prove that they're going to go against what the normal consensus or some thoughts are right now. Mm-hmm. Last year is last year. This year is this year. But also the history of Alabama is in the mind of everybody, and even including the voters, which is why I think Alabama is number six. If you just went off of this year alone, there's an argument for Alabama to be seven, TCU at six, but it's Alabama, Nick Saban. Nobody wants to ruffle those feathers at this point in time. But you know what? Also, it's a little bit crazy where some people in, Al- in Auburn wanted to ruffle some fe- feathers. Is that I talked to you about this a while ago, and um, we talked about Brian Harson and his tenure at Alabama. It's over. It's done with. I think he's, what, 21 games in? I don't know the exact number. But the 21 games he has coached are the only 21 games he'll coach as Alabama's head coach because he's up out of town. This was something that shocked me. I didn't I, – I just seemed odd firing a coach this early this into his tenure. But, Philip, as you do, you cover Auburn for uh, last word in college football, and you've been writing and talking and covering this team probably just as well as anybody else, if not better than other people. You know things aren't going well in Auburn. Um, you watched the game this past weekend. You saw how things went down. They're fed up. And I do believe there's a new hire in the athletic department, which I think is also why this move was made now rather than later. Yeah, this was coming. I mean, ever since the inquiry into Brian Harson happened back in February, you just had a feeling like, okay, what they did, obviously the administration or, well, no, it's not the administration at all. Let's just call it what it is. It's the board of trustees. That doing this, and they and, and I went through this uh, a couple, what a month, two ago on your show. So I'm not going to go full detail like I did last time. But you know, long story short, they did not want Brian Harson. Alan Green made the hire; they didn't want him there. Alan Green stepped up, and then they go six and seven last year. And then all this stuff that happens with the inquiry, coaches leaving, players leaving, players talking about you know everything with Brian Harson. You know, went over that last time or in the past, but. I, most people just felt like this was coming. And and just the way they played, it's not been good. They continue to fall apart in the second half of games with him as head coach. He's been kind of dismissive or almost confrontational with the media that's there after the games in the press mm-hmm. conferences. Mm-hmm. He He's kind of feel – I'm going to use a southern word maybe or an old term. He's been very ornery with okay. some people. Okay. 
uh, like this past Saturday, he was asked by uh, somebody with AL.com. He got asked, Coach, what has been, you know, basically this won't be word for word what the reporter said, but the gist of it was the defense had been a strength for this team the last several years, dating back to even the last few years of Gus Malzahn. It's not good this year. Jay, they are the worst team in the SEC against the run. They Going into Saturday's game against Arkansas, they were giving up over 200 yards a game on the ground. You're kidding. Mm-mm. In the last three games, they have given up over 1,000 yards rushing. That's not Auburn football. Phillip, this is abysmal. Yes, this is, not Auburn. this is not Auburn football. And the thing about it, they've got dudes on this team. They should not be that bad defensively. But anyways, he got asked that question. And then he kind of got confrontational about it, or he got like, upset or offended that that question would be asked. And he said, you're talking about the years uh, when we weren't here coaching. So then the reporter changed. I said, okay, compared to last year, when you were the coach, and this was that was the strength of the team. Remember, this is a team that gave Bryce Young his worst game of the year last year. Yeah. And there's a lot of those guys on defense that are still there. Now, the linebacking core changed a little bit, secondary a little bit, but a lot of guys were back. So – yeah, that, that's not all football. The defense side of the ball, that's not it. And it's just – and, you know, when you look at Brian Harson, I don't think – look, there's been coaches in the past that love Auburn. You could tell it. They love the community. And Brian Harson, I don't think, really uh, went with that. I don't think that was something he really relished. He, he, he accepted trying to just love Auburn. Being part of the Auburn family, it's a cliche. Alabama fans make fun of Auburn fans for it all the time, the Auburn family. But other stuff, too – Recruiting was not good. He was not doing a good recruiting job because Brian Harson wasn't recruiting. He's he was thinking, I guess, that his assistants were supposed to do the recruiting, and he's not supposed to. On Friday nights, he was not going to high school football games. The only time he'd go to a high school football game is to Auburn High, and that's because his son is a backup quarterback. And all and this is going to go into what I do on Friday nights, covering high school football. Dothan Tiger, Dothan Wolves. Sorry, anybody that listened. Dothan Wolves play the Auburn High Tigers. They're in the same region. So, his son doesn't start, but they play both quarterbacks. So, his son does play regularly, but that's the only high school games you'd see Ryan Harson at. And you really wouldn't see any of the Boise assistants, the coordinators, recruiting either. Now, a lot of the guys that were had SEC ties, they did a lot of recruiting. They would go out on Friday nights. That's another thing. I mean, you got Kirby Smart and Nick Saban in this conference. You know who's doing a lot of the heavy lifting recruiting? Those two coaches, you got to be like them. You just can't expect your assist. How are you going to expect your assistants to out recruit Kirby Smart and Nick Saban? Right. And look, they're not having a good year, but Jimbo Fisher's a good recruiter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing. So that's a lot of it. And it's just, it just feels like it didn't feel like he didn't want to be at Auburn anymore. I, you know, I've, I was a guy, I think I've been actually not against him. I was like, what happened in February was wrong. What they did to him was wrong. They they cut him off, you know, at his knees recruiting. Recruits see that. But you just see the team. They've gotten worse. They were a six and five team after the COVID year. Wouldn't Gus. They were actually six and four and Kevin Steele coached the bowl game. They've gotten worse. I mean, and what what is really sad about this, Jay? They were six and two at one point last year. They were, I think, twelfth in the country. And then Bo Nix gets hurt, and we see what he's doing at Oregon. They lose five in a row to end last year, then six and seven. They're now three and five this year. So he's three. 
you really look at it since the six and two start, he's three and ten. My gut, and I told you beforehand, I'm gonna start pushing back on certain things. This might not just be something you've said, but things that people have said out there in the media, social media, uh, things like that. My gut is to always fill up to give a coach three at minimum years, three to five years for him to show you what he is going to be as a coach. And so I said at Nebraska specifically with Scott Frost, I said, okay, great. You got your guy in last quarterback at the school to win a national championship. Um, last national championship, the school has won. Tom Osborne was there. We get all those things there to happen over there in Nebraska. So you bring in Scott Frost from UCF. He has an undefeated season. Um, they end up putting up a fake national championship banner because, hey, we're undefeated. You didn't play in the playoff, didn't win a, the true natty, but we're undefeated, so we're going to put up a banner. Okay, great, whatever. All the hoopla, fans love it, sell T-shirts. Good for you. But then Scott Frost goes to Nebraska, and I said quickly, after the end of year three, even after the year of, end of year four, middle of year three, I'm like, this ain't going to work. This isn't going to work. End of last year, year four, this isn't going to work. He has showed you. He is stuck in his ways. He's not willing to change. Quarterback situation, Adrian Martinez, not a bad quarterback, just he did not develop him in a way that he should have. It's not going to work. Cut ties. They let him go for a fifth year, and they cut him off early in the year. Okay, great. Like, I understand it. I'm also not a big fan of cut it, firing a guy in the middle of the season. I also understand that when there's no AD and you finally get an AD, that chopping block is going to get utilized really quickly because that's going to happen. So when I talk about Scott Frost, I think Nebraska did a phenomenal job of giving him enough time to fix things. Auburn did not, in my opinion, give Brian Harson enough time, Phillip, to change things. Hey, great. Six and two last year, 12th in the country, lose five in a row. I get all those things. Give the guy a few more times, more, more chances to fix things than what you have given him. I, th I think they gave him – um, a bad situation. Like he walked into a really odd situation. Didn't he was okay for a little bit. Didn't get better. Got worse. But they didn't give him a time to fix it. Had a little off, literally bad situation in the offseason. Next thing you know, he's up out of town in the really two third point of this season. Philip, I don't think Auburn gave him enough time to really see. Could he, if he got himself in a hole, could he fix it? What could he do as a co as a coach? That's my three to five year role. It goes for players as well in the NBA professional ranks. You'll find out over a three to five year span what that player will be and how what kind of player they will be over the duration of their career. Three to five years to me is a rule for a coach as well. Auburn to me, Philip failed Brian Harson. The board of trustees failed him because I still. I'll agree with you on that part that what they did to him in February, but look, there, there were players not wanting to play for him anymore. After yeah. one year, I mean, Bo Nix left. Look, Bo Nix's dad played at Auburn. I mean, right. anybody that's watched an, a Bo Nix football game knows his dad. I mean, orange and blues in his blood. Yeah. Everybody knew when he was coming out of high school, if Auburn offered, that's where he was going. It didn't, it didn't matter who else offered him. for Bo Nix to leave Auburn. That's a sign. And then Derek Mason left, defensive coordinator. He didn't get fired. He left. To, he was making a million and a half last year, I think. Yeah, a million and a half. He took a pay cut to go to Oklahoma State. He's not making as much at Oklahoma State as he's making Auburn. 
Uh, there was a thing come out today. I think it's a Big 12 website. And if I'm saying that, it's Heartland something about the problems that Derek Mason had with Brian Harson. And it's just there were other players that came out and said he does not connect well. He's not good at that. And then he's not good at uh, the NIL stuff. Auburn hasn't really done well. He hasn't done well in the portal. I mean, and now I will say this, the offensive line issues Auburn has is not squarely on him. A little bit. Gus Malzahn did not do a good job the last couple of years. He was the head coach recruiting the offensive line. Auburn has like six seniors play into position, those positions. With, I mean, they're none of them are good. But also at the same time, you got to look at Brian Harson said, you probably knew your offensive line was not going to be good this year. Hit the portal. They didn't do it. So I, I, I am a guy that always says, I think Brian Harson has some things work against him. But at the same time, I don't think he, he did the right things to get on the good side of a lot of people at Auburn, the important people. And like you said, there is a new athletic director at Auburn. John Cohen coming over from Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. But he didn't – Cohen did not make the firing. It was President Christopher Roberts that made the firing. But it was on the same day that the new AD was going to get announced because they did not actually officially announce Cohen as the new AD until later on Monday night. This was a, obviously Harson got fired early on Monday. But, there's a, like I said, there's a new president at Auburn. There's a new AD at Auburn. Uh, but we're going to see. Um for anybody, if you want to go check out Talking SC, I had Coach Max Howell on as I do every Tuesday. He is from the state of Mississippi. He's connected to what's going on. He told me uh, Cohen is not a guy that's a yes man. And that's what a lot of Auburn fans thought they was going to get. As an AD, someone that was going to bow down to the board members, the board of trustees. From everything that was said on the podcast, and anybody can go check it out and listen, he's not one of those guys. So we'll see. Well, this is a big moment for Auburn. I said this on the show. This is the most important head coaching hire in the history of Auburn football. And I mean that. They have got to get this right. If they do not get this right, they could be bad for a long time. Philip, you make an interesting point there. And this makes makes me think about in my lifetime. It's really more since I've been following – football more closely. I've been watching college football religiously since the early 2000s, um, really hit it hard in the 2000s, kind of dropped back due to some personal things, latter part of the 2000s. And then the um, 2010 year for Auburn won the national championship. Uh, 2011, I think, was Alabama, I think. I think they won in 2011, 2012. 2013 was Florida State. Then you had the uh, 14 through current uh, situation of the of the playoff situation. So I've been watching college football for a, a long time. Not as long as some of the listeners and viewers of the of the podcast, but for a long time. But since I've been watching it, Tommy Tuberville was there from 99 to 08. I don't really know much of the Tommy Tuberville era. They'll ask you to break it down. Couldn't do it for you. But Gene Chizik in 09 won the Natty in 2010, got fired in 2012. You had to talk about this pre-show about how I thought that was a little bit weird. You broke it down and told me when you do something that's never happened at Auburn ever in the history of the SEC, that's probably going to happen. You get the, you're, you're going to get fired. Gus Malzahn in 2013. Good coach. Really good coach. But at, least, but at some point, every coach runs out, and his time there at Auburn mm-hmm. um, was, up, was up in 2020. Kevin Steele was the interim. Don't really want to talk about that one game. But then Brian Harson, really, really quick. Cadillac Williams 
is now the interim head coach, former Auburn running, Auburn running back, Cadillac Williams, and uh, was it Ronnie? Ronnie Brown. Ronnie Brown. And Jason Campbell was the quarterback. All yes. three in the backfield went in the first round of the 2005 NFL draft. That was a fun uh, – now, that was a fun Auburn team to watch. Uh, Cadillac Williams was my dog. Go ahead. I just, just, just a little self-indulgent here. Uh, a couple months ago, I had the offense coordinator from that team, Al Borges, on the podcast. Go check it out. It was a great almost one-hour interview. He's got a book out on that team. Deny the Tigers. Uh, Al Borges is not paying me to do this commercial. Go check it out. But you can continue, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Commercials are free, and Philip knows he has the freedom to do that whenever he sees fit. But you mentioned how this is the most important uh, hire in Auburn history. Do you think they'll go the with the former player, maybe even Cadillac Williams, to be the next head coach of the Auburn Tigers? No, Cadillac has no shot at getting this job. I, I mean, he could go – well, I mean, but could it even be a former player that could be the next head coach? I don't think so. Not at Auburn. Uh, the names that are on the hover. Okay, well, first the Cadillac Williams part of it. Yes, I love it. He's because here's what you got with Cadillac. There were one of the concerns I think was really with this situation was did they have a guy they could if they fired Harson in season that they could turn it over to because there's no one on this staff that's really got a lot of head coaching experience and obviously Cadillac does not have any. Uh, this is his fourth year at Auburn as running backs coach. Oh, and then you had there are other names that were taught like Zach Etheridge, and there are some other assistants. But the Auburn fans, even the casual Auburn fans, and even yourself, you know who Cadillac Williams is. Cornell Cadillac Williams. He's not a guy that Auburn fans are going to turn on in these four games. If these if things go bad, they're not going to turn on Cadillac. Like maybe they would, maybe someone. Oh, he's doing a horrible job. He's pretty much got a mulligan with him, and the fans love him. I mean, they play at Mississippi State this Saturday. Next Saturday, when they play at home at night at Texas A&M, Jay, would they announce head coach Carnell Cadillac Williams? You know that place is going to go nuts. Yeah. So it, it's it's a good PR move, but Cadillac getting the job won't happen, and I don't think it's be a full time. The names that are being thrown around right now, and a lot of different people have said this: the number one target for the Auburn Tigers, and we talked about the, his team earlier, is Lane Kiffin. Now, I will admit this, Lane Kiffin is my favorite coach in college football. So I, that's the hire I, I would completely be on board with. You'd have to spend some money to get him, probably maybe close to $10 million a year to get him. But at the same time, if you're Auburn, if you want to be a player, you're going to spend the money. And – you know, you gotta have somebody that's and the thing with Lane Kiffin, he's willing to go at Nick Saban at Kirby Smart. We all know how Lane Kiffin is. And another thing with Lane Kiffin, if he if if he'd left Ole Miss, he's the portal king. Yes, he is. He of all the names, and I'll give off the other names that are being talked about, the, the most common names you hear. He can rebuild Auburn quicker than anybody else because of what he can do in the transfer portal. And that's key. Whoever's the next Auburn coach, they need to be really good with the transfer portal because this roster, as bad as it is this year, it's going to be worse next year if they don't have a guy that knows how to hit the portal and hit that thing strong. Next up you're going to hear is Hugh Freeze, a former Ole Miss head coach, now Liberty head coach. His name was thrown around back in 2020 when – Brian Harson got the job. The big thing with, with Hugh Freeze is, one, is there is the SEC going to try to block it? Greg Sankey, because of just the stuff that in Hugh Freeze passed. And remember, not necessarily the NCAA stuff. 
it's the other stuff that got him fired. And, you know, the using the Ole Miss school phone, the escorts, all that stuff. It's the moral stuff that could would hurt, you know, would hurt him getting a job. Deion Sanders is getting a lot of play. And if you look at some places, he is the number two option. Is Deion Sanders ready to make that jump from the SWAC, FCS, to SEC primetime ball? I think Deion would be a great CEO. You know he's going to recruit. I think he'd be good in the portal too. Deion could probably help out getting some NIL deals. He probably he knows a lot of people that could probably throw some money. But my thing is coaches, assistants, building a staff, that thing. Then you got Matt Rule. His name's being thrown out. I think he's a wild card for this job because he doesn't have any SEC ties. I think it's very to me, it's very important, I think, for Auburn to bring a guy that has SEC ties. Brian Harson didn't. Matt Rule's a good coach. He's a good program rebuilding programs with what he did at Temple and at Baylor. And then you got Jeff Grimes. He's the current Baylor offensive coordinator. He was the offensive line coach for Auburn in during the Gene Chiswick years when they won the national championship. He doesn't have the head coaching experience, but he has connections to Auburn, and his name's being floated around. But it looks like to me, just when you see stuff, Lane Kiffin is a target. Uh, and it'd be interesting if that was to happen. Would be the second time Auburn has snatched up uh, an Ole Miss head coach. Tommy Toreville left Ole Miss to become the Auburn head coach when he did. And, Jay, he he is known for the quote when he was asked if he was interested in the Auburn job. He said, the only way I'm leaving Ole Miss is in a pine box. <laughs> and check this out. This would be interesting, too, and fun. Where did John Cohen just come from? Mississippi State. If the Missis- former Mississippi State athletic director was to snatch the Ole Miss head coach and bring him to Auburn, man, that would that would be some fun stuff because the Egg Bowl is some serious business in Mississippi. Of all the names you've listed here, there are two names that I think stick out. They're at the top of the list, top two names, Lane Kiffin, Deion Sanders. We all know what Lane Kiffin is doing right now at Ole Miss, and honestly, if Ole Miss beats Alabama on November 12th, I think you're going to have to – Ole Miss is going to try and do everything they can to keep him there in Oxford, Mississippi. Deion Sanders, my only question about him is not so much can he build a roster, but going from coaching high school to the SWAC is one thing. The SEC is a different level. It's a different level of football. Is he ready to deal with not only the recruiting, the transfer portal, but those boosters? I I would want to say yes, but that's one of the biggest unknowns to me about Deion Sanders is the big jump from FCS level ball, HBCU level ball to the SEC Auburn. Is he ready for those boosters and what's going to come with the off-the-field adult conversations he's going to have to have that he's not having to have, needing to have right now there at Jackson State? I would think Lane Kiffin, to me, is the better hire right now. Deion Sanders is so much of a wild, wild card, Phillip. If I'm Auburn, I'm staying away from it. Yeah, it's the Dion. I think Dion is a high, is high high risk, high reward, because I feel like he's one. He's a coach that it, he's either when he makes the jump to Power Five, they're either going to be really really good, or they could be really really bad if he does it before he's ready to make that jump. And it's not like he's coming from a Sun Belt or maybe a lower level Power Five to a bigger Power Five. That is a big jump. I mean, going from FCS to SWAC to Auburn. 
I mean, that's a pressure cooker. I mean, look, look at your rivals, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. I mean, I mean, you also got to deal with the Mississippi schools. You got Arkansas who plays good. Texas A&M, they've got talent. Jimbo Fisher can get it right. Just give it the play calling duties, Jimbo. Come on. Uh, you've got plenty. Tennessee. Tennessee, I mean, all the teams in the SEC right now, that's a tough jump. If you bring a guy like Lane Kiffin, he knows the landscape. He knows what needs to be done. And I'm sorry if any Ole Miss fans are listening to this. You have a good program. Auburn's a better program historically than Ole Miss. Because it's been proven at Auburn, you can compete for a national championship. Jay, you've never seen Ole Miss compete for a national championship in your lifetime, have you? Mm-mm. No, not at all. Auburn has. 2017, despite two losses, they were one win away from the SEC championship from playing in the college football playoff. They were 13 seconds away in 2013 from winning it all. You mentioned 2010, they won the title. 2004, they were undefeated, got denied. They were number three in the country. Oklahoma USC plays for the title. Terry Bowden, his first year or second year in his career at Auburn, they went. They were on probation. He went 11-0. Pat Dow won several titles in the 80s, SEC titles in the 80s. Played in a lot of big-time bowl games. That Auburn has a history – you can win there, and you're not far from Atlanta. But I also say this: if you can get Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze has proven he can do something that Auburn fans love. He can. He has shown he can beat Nick Saban. Now you did fire Gus Malzahn, who beat him three times. But Hugh Freeze is. I mean, I don't. There's only very few coaches out there that have beaten Nick Saban two years in a row. Hugh Freeze did that. Now the moral stuff aside, which I know is a problem for some people. The stuff, NCAA stuff they got in trouble for, Jay, it's legal now. You can do it. So the, his recruiting tactics were illegal then. They're not now. So I, I think I think Lane and Hugh Freeze are the best two options, in my opinion, because they know the landscape of the SEC. Yes, Deion Sanders is doing he's doing great things at Jackson State. I mean, they are they are destroying teams. I mean, they, they, their games aren't close. I mean, they're dominating their opponents. But I, I think that is just a high-risk, high-reward hire if you go with Deion Sanders. I think he has the capability of doing really well. But when you've got Lane Kiffin, you've got Hugh Freeze, those are just two guys that know the landscape, and they're not afraid of saving. I think that's, I think that's the biggest point. And, Philip, I want to leave with this last question. People ask this all the time. Is Auburn a bad job? Is Auburn a good job? Everyone's going to have their opinions. People out West might not care. People in the Midwest are going to have their opinions, especially if you're an Ohio State, Michigan, a Penn State guy, and you really just can't – or fan, you really just can't stand football in the South. Maybe you're a Wisconsin or Iowa fan. You're like, hey, we do good stuff up here. We have a better consistent record than Auburn. But, no, Auburn's, as you said so well, titles, competing for uh, SEC titles, uh, competing to win national titles. Wisconsin and Iowa, you can't say that. I'm going to ask you this, Phil, last question for you. Is Auburn a good job for a head football coach? Yeah, I agree. I believe it is because what I just said, they have that the program has proven behind several different head coaches. And and this will put some context, Brian Harson. You know, the last time they had a head coach, I'm not counting interims at, at all. Last mm-hmm. time they had a head coach that left here, left Auburn with a losing record. 70s. 1948 to 1950, Earl Brown went 3-22. How did he last that long? 
Different time, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Must be. But, yeah, I, I was looking it up because there's a guy named Doug Barfield that always gets thrown through the mud with all Auburn fans. Uh, he followed Ralph Shug Jordan uh, after uh, after he had, you know, done his thing. And he, he had a winning record. He was barely over 500, but he had a winning record. He gets fired, and then Pat Dye comes. And then, obviously, that string of coaches. So, that, that's how bad Harson is. I mean, I, I was seeing some stuff. People are talking. Is he the worst Auburn football coach of all time? Oh, wow. Nine and 12. I mean, whatever went against him, it was, someone's working. I mean, but Auburn's a good job. Three Heisman Trophy winners. Consistency's been an issue with them, and that's probably from the meddling up top with the boosters and the board of trustees and stuff like that. But yes, along around a long way of saying Auburn's a good job, and you can win a championship at Auburn. And if the right guy gets to Auburn, they can do good things. Philip, it's fun having you on. Look to do it again. Hopefully, it not might not be in the, an emergency manner. But I also do appreciate you in a pinch, uh, in the last minute, really just being able to come on and talk ball. Uh, almost forty minutes into this thing, and as people don't know about Philip and I. We get behind a mic before we hit record. We could go an hour stronger than go another 30 minutes about the topics that I ask him or he asked me to talk about on the show. Philip Jordan, can you let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter and also where they can watch or even listen to any, any of the shows that you do? Also, read the articles you write for Last Word on college football. Yeah, check out all my written work over at Last Word on college football. Today they posted up an article uh, that I wrote kind of looking over the Brian Harson getting firing, the new AD and Cadillac taking over. As the uh, interim head coach, I will have up soon, uh, hope in the next week, uh, my list of the candidates rank them uh, from, you know, who's the best, who's the worst. Uh, you can check me out. Uh, follow me on social media at PJordanSCC. Very easy to find. Got a lot of podcasts out there. Uh, you can check out the, the Philip Jordan podcast, uh, Talking SEC. Those are all on your favorite podcast platforms. Follow my YouTube channel, Pushing That Hard, the Philip Jordan YouTube channel. Uh, please hit the subscribe uh, button at the bell for all the notifications. And also, if, for some reason, if you're in the southeast Alabama area, I'm also doing a high school football, Dothan Wolves football on 96.9 The Legend. Jay, we're getting ready for a big first-round playoff matchup this Friday night. Super excited uh, for the Wolves being in the playoffs at 73. You can check that out. Uh, you can also check out the uh, Wiregrass High School Football Report, a weekly high school football podcast I do as well. And, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07, also at – the, on the Instagram and on the TikTok, the same handle at jsteven07 on all the socials. New on the TikTok, putting different videos of all the shows, different short clips of all the shows that I am on or that I do. Just a fun way for us to connect and to just get a more of a quick snapshot of things going on at the Jay Stevens podcast and daily over at Locked on Buckeyes. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Jay Stevens podcast. I will see you next time. <laughs>